May 23rd, 2023. We're in Masechet Beta, and although we encountered a lot yesterday, we need to quickly review a bunch of it in order to appreciate the conclusion of the Gemara on the matters that we were addressing. If you recall, the Mishnah recorded here, about 10 lines from the top, a mahlokit, a dispute between Bet Shammai and Bet Hilel. The question was not about whether a person can take Tirumah on Yom Tov. That's clear. It's a Mishnah later on, that there's a prohibition of taking Tirumah or Ma'aseh from any of the produce that you might have. The question specifically in our Mishnah was furthermore, not about whether a person could be mafrish halav, he could take the separation of dough, if a person's preparing uh, halav of some sort, uh, nor is it the issue of whether you can separate when you slaughter an animal, uh, the matanot for the kohen, that's the zerawa lehayayim and keba, the parts of the animal which were to be given to the kohen. All that's clear. Some are permitted, others are forbidden. The question is with regards to bringing to the kohen on the holiday. Whereas hafrashat hala and the matanot, you're allowed to take on the holiday, you're allowed to separate those, can you in turn bring them to the Kohen? Now that's not going to be a biblical violation, just like even taking the tirumah is not biblically prohibited, it's from the rabbis. It's midrabbanan. The question over here will be whether bringing the holacha, milashon halicha, to walk it over, the matanot of the kohen, those parts of the animal which are necessary to be given to him, as well as the dough of hafrashat hala, whether bringing it is permitted or prohibited on the holiday. Why would you say it's prohibited? Why would you say it's asur? Rashi filled in the gap on that, that there might be a gezera, a rabbinic restriction, a person, if they're so involved in hafrashat halav, they're so involved in taking the portions of the animal and even giving it to the kohen, we'll get them too involved in this, they'll even come to go against the rabbinic restriction of taking tirumah on the holiday. That's the uh, potential uh, pitfall over here. It's mahloka between Bet and Bet in our Mishnah. What's that? You certainly can't take Tirumah. No question. You cannot, according to even Beit Hillel, take Tirumah. That's a Mishnah later on. That's the one thing we're 100% certain of. The question is... There's no Tirumah in an animal. There's Matanot Kehuna. If you took them, if you didn't take Matanot Kehuna, you're Mevatel Mitzvat Aseh. You didn't fulfill the Mitzvat Aseh, but it's permitted. You didn't violate by eating from the animal. Uh, if you didn't deliver it to the Kohen, certainly permitted. Uh, but the question again is whether you're allowed to deliver or not. That's the mahlok between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel in our Mishnah. You could make such a claim. Uh, it seems, uh, you know, you'd answer in these sorts of situations. Number one, it's kula hada gezera. You'd say it's all part of one larger gezera. Alternatively, you'd fine-tune this one and say something a little bit different. But uh, it is a bit uh, removed if we're already dealing with a gezera of uh, Tiruma, which is a Gezerah, that this is by extension a Gezerah. So, separating Tiruma and Hafrashat Hala on the holiday is not allowed? Tiruma not allowed, Hafrashat Hala allowed. That's what the other Gemara we learned before about the, the rabbis that didn't do the Hafrashat. Yes, yes, yes. Shemu, Abu Adi Shmuel. Yes. All right, well, that all being the case, again, we have a dispute of Mahlab between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel on this matter about whether you're about to be molich 
to walk over the hafrasha of the hala and the matanot of the animal to the kohen on the holiday. According to Beit Shammai, it's prohibited. According to Beit Hillel, it's permitted. If you recall the words in our Mishnah were that Beit Shammai turned to Beit Hillel and said, but wait a second. Don't you agree that you're not allowed to, when it comes to terumah, these are the words in our Mishnah, walk over the terumah to the Kohen? Apparently that was taken for granted. Shouldn't we liken that to our situation where you're not allowed to walk over the hafrashat hala, the parts of the animal? To which Beit Hillel said, wait a second, you're comparing two matters which don't have anything to do with one another. As we've established, terumah is forbidden in the first place to be taken. That's why you can't walk it over afterwards. You weren't supposed to be involved in this in the holiday. Took it beforehand, you can't bring it over. It's more restrictive in that, uh, in that sense. When it comes to hafrashat hala, when it comes to the matanot from the animal, the zeroa, the hayam and keva, that's permitted to be taken on the holiday. If it's permitted to be taken on the holiday, say betilel, maybe by extension you can walk it over. That's what we saw in the Mishnah. Again, even that is somewhat complicated. Then we had a Biraita here in the Gemara, which presents three different versions to what took place in the context of this dispute. So let's begin with that again here in the Gemara and uh, try to wrap it up and move onward today. It says the Gemara, Kaselka da'ata, where three lines before the lines get wide. It says the Gemara, our understanding was, Shehuramu mehayom the understanding, means the a priori assumption, the assumption that we had before jumping into this. So the simple reading of the Mishnah maybe is the easiest way to say that. That's what would rise to your mind, that our Mishnah is not distinguishing whether you uh, took the hafrasha slash um, slaughtered the animal on the holiday or before the holiday. Uh, the Mishnah is telling us, uh, seemingly, whether it was today or yesterday. Those were, in fact, seemingly the words. The Mishnah said, The understanding in turn is, let's listen to this one one more time. Let's do it specifically with the animal. The animal, whether it was slaughtered yesterday, before the holiday, or even on the holiday, Bechamai's opinion is, although you can separate the portions that need to be given to the Kohen, you can't walk them over, permit under both of those circumstances. Now, we could, and this was the angle for you know seeing things a little bit differently, we could maybe, in the mindset of Beit Shammai, understand things a bit differently. Our Mishnah perhaps didn't present it this way, but we could see it differently. How would we perhaps see it differently? It might go like this. You slaughtered it before the holiday and you didn't walk it over to the Kohen Tachilak. You should have taken care of your business before the holiday. We're not letting you. And you could eat it on the holiday anyway, and I'm allowing you to bring that over on the holiday. Alternatively, I'm engaged in the slaughtering on the holiday. I'm preparing the food for my meal. I slaughter, I'm going to prepare and salt and all that sort of stuff. Maybe in that situation, this gezerah, this restriction of the rabbis, would not apply. In other words, it would only apply if you had the accessibility, the ability to do it before the holiday. Not able to do it before the holiday. You slaughter it on the holiday, then they would permit. Our understanding from the Mishnah is there is no such distinction. According to Beit Shammai, it doesn't matter when you slaughtered it. Even if you slaughtered it on the holiday, no bringing it over to the Kohen. Why? from the rabbis. Says the Gemara, Who would the opinion of our Mishnah then accord with? Man in Aramaic means who. So who is the author of our Mishnah? Says the Gemara, it would not accord with the opinions we're about to read, Rabbi Yosef, nor Rabbi Yehuda. It would only accord with that last opinion we're going to call Aherim, as we said, 
Did you check it up, Alan? The Gemaran Horayot Andaf Yod Gimal tells us Aherim is Rabbi Meir. Says the Gemara Detanya. Here's the Beraita. Amar Bihuda Lo Nechleku Bechemai Betilel Al Hamatanot Shehurmu Meir Yom Tov Shemolichan Shemolichin Im Hamatanot Shehurmu Mehayom VeShenishhatu Mehayom. So the, this beraita, the first opinion over here is that of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda primarily and fundamentally tells us that according to Beit Shammai, everything we've been discussing until now, he actually accepts. He says, according to Beit Shammai, if he slaughtered on the holiday, even according to Beit Shammai, permitted to bring it to the Kohen. Oh, what is the dispute between Beit Shammai and Beit Hilel then? It's when you slaughter before the holiday. I'll tell you more than that, says Rabbi Huda. Even according to Beit Shammai, if you slaughtered before the holiday, I don't know, you have a lot of guests, or you're a butcher, you have lots of animals. So you slaughtered before the holiday, and you slaughtered on the holiday. And they have lots of stuff you need to give to the Kohen. From several animals, both from before and on. Now Beit Shammai says, we think the stuff that you slaughtered on, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you could bring to the Kohen. Says Rabbi Yehuda, even the stuff you brought beforehand, mix it in. Bring it as one big package. I'm bringing it as a package to the Kohen. That's permitted even though on its own, independently, you couldn't bring that stuff that was slaughtered before the holiday to the Kohen. But it means that Rabbi Yehuda does not accord. He's not consistent with the way we read our Mishnah because according to Rabbi Yehuda, Beit Shammai's opinion is permissive. They're allowing, if you slaughtered on the holiday, to do the holacha of the matanot kehuna. And that's what Beit Shammai made this derasha. We talked about this already. We read it in the Mishnah. Halau matanot Halau matanot matana la kohen. Both have rashat hala and the matanot, meaning the zerawa la hayaim keva, the portions of the animal which were to be given, were matana la kohen. Those were presents, those were donations to the kohen. Utruma, and so too, teruma is matana la kohen. It's something which was an obligatory donation to the kohen. Keshem she'en molichin et teruma, kach en molichin et matanot. Bet Shammai make the claim. The same way teruma, we have a restriction, a prohibition about delivering it to the kohen on the holiday, so too, anything and everything else to be given to the kohen. I, I know the question was raised yesterday, what about the Kohen Simchat Yom Tov? We'd like to imagine the Kohen will do all right for himself. He prepared in advance without realizing he's even getting this. And as a result, this is all prohibited. No. It's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. In other words, if you don't have refrigeration and you're not allowing for it to be delivered on the holiday, you might have ibud, you might have it lost. I hear you. I'm hazat onto the Kohanim, and you know, you even feel bad for the people. I hear you. Lema'aseh, uh, it's going to be mutar. So. For the Kohen. So that's what I was addressing earlier. But the Kohen, we'd like to imagine, has food prepared anyway. This is above and beyond. Was, according to the Bihuda, they do. All right, there you go. You like it. Amru lahem. Different version. It's got to be a different version. Although, although we'll, we're going to, although, again, keep in mind the words in our Mishnah are not Shanish Hatu. Our Mishnah only said Shehurmu. Shehurmu Melashon Terumah. It was raised up. 
It wasn't slaughtered. We were assuming the fact that the Mishnah didn't distinguish, it was even Shinish Hatu. That's right, but that's what's going to change. Amrulahem Betilel, lo ima martem bitrumash eno zakai baharamata, tomeru matanot she zakai baharamatan. Betilel's response is you're mixing apples and oranges. None of these are equivalent in that respect. Yes, they're all given to the Kohen, but you can't equate them because ultimately speaking, terumah at its onset, you're not allowed to separate. Hafrashat hala matanot kehuna you. Amar Biyose, Biyose has a different version yet with regards to this mahlok. It's very permissive. Alan, you'll love him. Says in Biyose, and everybody, we're very happy for the Kohen, we're happy for the people, irrespective of anything and everything, whether you slaughtered before, you slaughtered on holiday, you made the dough, you took the dough, all of it's permitted to take and to bring on the holiday. Oh, fantastic. So what's the mahlokit? Not the way it was in our Mishnah. This one you can't square with our Mishnah, and we're not even going to attempt to. Once the Gemara resolves the Mishnah as perhaps referring to something else, we'll go like Rabbi Yehuda. Biyose, you can't pull off. Our Mishnah is talking about these realities. It's talking about the halal. It's talking about the... According to the Biyose, that's all permitted, even according to Beit Shammai. So what are they disputing? They're looking specifically and only about tirumah, that Beit Hillel are more permissive than we ever imagined. Not only are you allowed to separate tirumah, uh, but, excuse me, take that back. You're not, although you're not allowed to separate the tiruma on the holiday, according to Beit Hillel, you can deliver the tiruma on the holiday. That and only that. Beit Shammai, you can deliver and separate everything except for tiruma. So again, according to this version, according to the Biyose, whereas tiruma, we know you can't do the hafrasha. We discussed two reasons from Harambam yesterday. But ultimately speaking, you can deliver it according to the Biyose's interpretation of Beit Hillel. According to Beit Shammai, that and only that is prohibited. We're very permissive. Everything else is permitted with regards to Afrashat Hala, with regards to Matanot Kehuna. Shebet Shamay Omrim En Molichin, Ubet Hilel Omrim Molichin. Kachayu Bet Hilel Danim. And in turn, this this uh, this Gezerasha, this um, Kalvahomer is flipped. It's Bet Hilel trying to derive from comparing a permissibility. Hala U Matanot Kehuna La Kohen. Excuse me, matanot, matana la kohen, utruma, matana la kohen, keshem, shemolichinet a matanot, kach molichinet a teruma, amruda in bechamai, lo imamartem be matanot, she zakai baharamatan, tomeru bitruma, she eno zakai baharamata. So Betilel attempted to say the same way that by hafrashat hala and by matanot kehuna, you bechamai agree, you're allowed to deliver it to the kohen. So to buy tiruma, it's all going to the Kohen after all. We're trying to enhance his holiday spirit, uh, to which Beit Shammai, according to this version, responds, no, you're comparing things that can't be uh, compared one to the other. When it comes to tiruma, it can't be separated. As a result, it can't be delivered. The other items, which can be separated, do the whole act and deliver them as well. This version, Rabbi Yosef's version, flips, flips the derasha. Okay. Says the Gemara, lastly, the Beraita, Aherim Omrim Rabbi Meir's opinion, Lo nechleku bechamay betilel al ha-teruma she'en molichin, Lo nechleku ela al ha-matanot, She'bechamay omrim en molichin, Ubetilel omrim molichin. It means that according to this last opinion in the Beraita, Aherim, that's really what we were expecting. 
the machloka between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel is not about teruma. Everybody agrees you can't deliver and you can't take. It's not about the hafrashah, the halah. It's not about the matanot being separated, haramah. That's all permitted as well. The question is, irrespective of whether the slaughter was before or on the holiday, whether you could deliver, that's machloka Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Says the Gemara in turn, lema acherim hi velor bihuda. It really is probably read with a question mark, but again, the Gemara then says, our Mishnah seems to accord with Rabbi Meir and not Rabbi Yehuda. Now, we'd like, that's just the general direction of the Gemara, we'd like to agree as often as we can. Harambam would tell you we want to agree all the time. That's Harambam's vision of Halakha is one in which there's, dis- there's no disagreement. His vision of the way it was all the way back is there was no dispute. We had it clear over the course of time. We didn't listen carefully. We didn't be mishamesh our rabbis, our mentors in an appropriate way. We have the birth of Dad and Mahloket. Uh, whether that's the only way of envisioning it, the alternative view is we were always supposed to have uh, disagreement. That's the way we uh, develop new ideas and we keep things fresh and relevant and so forth. But ultimately speaking, the Gemara is always looking to say, this Biraita probably agrees with the Mishnah. Why should they disagree? Unless you have a reason to say they disagree. That's very different than our culture and society. We always want to say, I'm different than you. That's my knee-jerk response. Gemara always says, we're always the same. Unless we have to be different. So that's what the Gemara is nervous about. This. What, what are you so nervous about? Just say, yeah, the Mishnah is Rabbi Meir. It's not Rabbi Uda. No, no, come on. The Mishnah is only going to be Rabbi Meir, not Rabbi Uda, not Rabbi Yosef. No, we'd like to see if we could squeeze it, if we could twist it a little bit and establish it even as Rabbi Uda. Didn't you say that there was one opinion that said, you can't pick it, but you can deliver it? Sure. That opinion, you're right, Alan. We never said Rabbi Yoseh will accord with our Mishnah. Rabbi Yoseh is not going to work out. According to Rabbi Yoseh, according to him, you can, you can, oh, wait, wait, one second. Oh, no, 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 maybe I misheard. You said you could pick the Tiruman. No, you can. Nobody says you can't. You can't, but you could even deliver according to Beit Hillel. Yeah, that's Rabbi Yoseh. We're not going to, you can't resolve him. Uh, and ultimately speaking, ironically, he's going to be the winning opinion. The Gemara will finish this whole conversation up by saying, oh, by the way, who's the halakha like? Which is a fascinating thing. We're going to say the Mishnah is either, our Mishnah is either Rabbi Meir, that one we established, even Rabbi Uda, we're about to say. But who, does it, who do we follow the halakha? The answer is going to be the lenient opinion, Rabbi Yoseh. Not our Mishnah. We weren't able to resolve our Mishnah, but we're going to go that way. They are even allowed to deliver Tirumah on the holiday, even though we disregard it with regards to the Mishnah. Yeah, says the Gemara, Amar Rava, Rava says, perhaps we can resolve our Mishnah even according to the Biyudah. Mikatane, does it say, that's a rhetorical question, Mikatane, does it say in our Mishnah, was it taught in our Mishnah, quote, Shehurmu mehayom veshenishhatu mehayom? The Mishnah never said explicitly that the slaughtering was today, meaning on the holiday as well. It doesn't say that, and, and or yesterday. It, instead, our Mishnah says, Shuhurmu katane. The Mishnah only taught and only stated that it was separated on the holiday. Oh, well, that means, says Rava, that perhaps if it was slaughtered on the holiday, even Beit Shammai would agree that you're allowed to deliver. Uh, and our Mishnah then is talking about where the slaughtering took place yesterday. You should have dealt with it before the holiday. You didn't. Ah, we're not allowing you to deal with it now. And in turn, Rabbi Yehuda can be in accordance with our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, If we're reading the Mishnah as such, 
Well, then we knocked out Rabbi Meir. I'll explain to you why. I'm uh, just uh, trying to keep this as simple as we can. The Mahlokut we had in the Beraita, I know it's a lot of opinions, a lot of intricate details, but and several moving parts. The Mahlokut we had over here in the Beraita was between these three opinions. Let's focus on the first and last. That's what we're most focused on. Rabbi Uda said that Bet Shammai, we're going to focus specifically on Bet Shammai, Bet Shammai would agree that if the slaughtering took place on the holiday, the delivery can be on the holiday as well. We're now reading our Mishnah stating that as well. The last opinion in our Beraita, though, that of Rabbi Meir, the Aherim, they envisioned this differently. According to Aherim, it was the way we presented it originally. We thought it was irrespective of whether the slaughtering takes place today or yesterday. That according to the Bimeir, he says, Beit Shammai would tell you, even if it's slaughtered today, you can't deliver it today. So then says the Gemara, you may have solved something, Rava. You made our Mishnah like Rabbi Huda, but you didn't really solve everything. We want our Mishnah, as I told you a moment ago, to follow as many opinions as it can. We'd like it to be as universal as possible. So we'd like it to be both Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Meir. You changed it and you made it just Rabbi Uda. You didn't solve all that much. Says the Gemara, Afilu Tema, it's probably Rava speaking, Afilu Tema, Aherim, the suggestion is that even Aherim, the last opinion in the Beraita, is suggesting as well, specifically, that the Mahlok Bet Shemayim Bet is when it was slaughtered yesterday, not today. Well, if that's the case, there's no difference between those first and third opinions. They're identical, they're the exact same thing. Says the Gemara, Yahche, I know to be that's the exact same opinion. They're both stating that Bet is permitting, if the slaughtering took place on the holiday, to deliver those Matanot and the Hafrashat Hala, as opposed to if it's beforehand. Says the Gemara, there's one minor difference, Ika Benayu the word tafel uh, means uh, ancillary, means side, uh, secondary. That's the right word for tefillah. Uh, secondary, which means to say, if you recall, we had a specific, the Alan Kula of Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda said, listen, if you slaughtered yesterday, and again today, you're a butcher, you're having a big meal, whatever the case is, you can take even the stuff you took yesterday and combine it with the stuff from today, according to Beit That was novel. That's Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Meir agrees, listen, if you slaughtered today, according to Beit you can deliver but not the stuff from yesterday. So tefillah means if you took, quote-unquote, the secondary meats, meaning the stuff that you had yesterday, you combined it with today, that's a leniency of Rabbi Uda. That's what Rabbi Meir disagrees with. But it means when all the dust is settled, again, to just state it so that you understand the irony in the next few lines to come, when all the dust is settled, our Mishnah, according to Rava, can be squeezed out and twisted so that it is in accordance with both Rabbi Uda and Rabbi Meir, opinions one and three. The most lenient opinion, the middle one, let's just state that one as we clear our minds of this past uh, Mahlokit, the middle one was not recorded, that was the most lenient. What was the most lenient opinion? That both Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel agree that you're allowed to separate and deliver hafrashat hala and matanot from the behemah on the holiday irrespective of whether slaughtering took place today or yesterday, all permitted. Just Tirumah is where the Mahlokit. Hillel says, even Tirumah, which is separated, it sounds like even from yesterday, can be delivered today. Beit Shammai says not delivering. That's very lenient. It means everything's permitted except for the actual hafrashah, which to a certain extent, coming to Nathan's question from the beginning, of we're making a lot of gezerot on top of gezerot, which are somewhat distant, makes a lot of sense. It means betilel are the cleanest. There's one gezerah. The gezerah is you can't do, hafra, uh, you can't do haramat terumah on the holiday. Nothing more and nothing less. Why not? One of two reasons we discussed yesterday. From the day before and then on the no, no, that's that's Rabbi Uda's opinion. Rabbi Meir. You said Rabbi 
Rabbi Yehuda says Bet Shammai agree. Rabbi Meir was the third opinion, second generation after Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel. All right, anyway, says the Gemara, so whose opinion are we going to follow? The Gemara tells us a very uh, brief story in order to get to it. But first, Amar of Yehuda, Mar Shemuel, Halakha, Kirbi Yosef, period. Halakha is like Kirbi Yosef. Again, it's ironic, not the direction. If you were following that we thought we were going in, then the Gemara tells a brief story. Rav Tuvi, there was this rabbi, Rav Tuvi, the son of Rav Nehemiah. He had a barrel filled with wine of Terumah. Rav Yosef came in front of Rav Yosef. He says to him, It's the holiday. He says, can I bring this? Again, it's a barrel of Terumah. Hafrasha was done before the holiday. The Tirumah was taken before the holiday. Can I bring this to the queen? That's our million dollar question. Halacha is like Rabbi Yosef, even allowed to deliver it. A pause for a second, take that in. Okay, it means that we follow, of course, we're going to follow Beit Tilel over Beit Shammai, and it's, uh, it's Rabbi Yosef's uh, approach to this. Let's just pay attention to the names. These names, the fact that we're not dealing with Rabbi denotes to us that we're dealing with names of rabbis who are in Bavel. We happen to know this for a fact, but we could pick that up already. Rabbi, generally speaking, is in the land of Israel. That's where they had Semicha. We discussed this in Masechet Sanhedrin. That's why in the Mishnah, which was composed, of course, with rabbis in Eretz Yisrael, you have Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Akiva, and so forth. Gemara, where you have not that Semicha, we envision that chain of tradition being lost in the strictest sense. We didn't name, they didn't get that, uh, that uh, designation of Rabbi. They had a little bit of a limited uh, ability in judgment, slightly, and they were known as Rav. So we're dealing with rabbis and the question being posed outside of the land of Israel. That's interesting, because Tirumot and Ma'asrot are really only biblically commanded in the land of Israel. Rashba comments on our Gemara, you see at the very least rabbinically speaking, you have to take Tirumot and Ma'asrot outside of the land of Israel. Uh, otherwise, what's the question? Otherwise, what's the issue? That's all very interesting because I, don't know, I got a lot, of, a lot of stuff in my fridge and cupboard at home and haven't taken Turumot Ma'asrot. You land, it's live in Israel, you have to deal with Turumot Ma'asrot even today's day and age in one way or another. But I've I never really dealt with that out of here. You look in Harambam, you look in Shohan Aruch, each in their appropriate place, they write that it's relevant even in Hotzlar, it's Turumot Ma'asrot. Now the truth is they specifically tell us, and this is already, you could, I could at the very least heave a sigh of relief, they write it specifically in four lands. The rabbinic, uh, the rabbinic uh, restriction or, or obligation of Tirumot Ma'asrot, even in Hutzart, was in four lands. The four lands we imagined as most adjacent to, closest to Eretz Israel, they were Bavel, Misraim, that means Egyptians when they lived in Egypt, you maybe had uh, such an issue, Amon and Moab. Hacham Ovadia Yosef writes in his Hazon Ovadia on Hilchot Terumot Ma'asrot. He writes that ideally we follow Shulchan Aruch, and if you live in Egypt, you're supposed to take Terumot Ma'asrot, just like if you live in Israel. Uh, to the best of my understanding, we have all the way back to the time of the Geonim, we have recorded, and many of the Nosei Kilim Shulchan Aruch write this, we haven't been doing this. We stopped doing this even when we lived in Bavel, even when we lived in Egypt over a thousand years ago. Why so? At the same time, we stopped being Makpid, appropriately on Tum'ah and Tahara, keeping ourselves 
uh, on the highest level of uh, purity, according to the Torah law, uh, we, at some point or another, either the establishment or the nation, gave up on uh, the rabbinic uh, obligation of Tirumot Ma'asrot as well. And it's all very interesting from a historical perspective to the extent that the Gemara here is telling us they were still dealing with this. Again, this is 1,500 years ago, a little bit, uh, a little bit more, a little bit less. But it means at some point over the course of time, we outside of Israel, even in Bavel, Mitzrayim, Amon, and Moab, a kind of relinquished that sort of reality, but uh, to, to the Geonim. So that's an interesting question. So I'm going to tell you, Nathan. Just one sec, one second. So in terms of whether it was right or wrong, it was. It was, and as a result, is. Hacham Vadya Yosef, along your lines, though, says if it's in Shulchan Aruch. Well, then it was wrong, quote unquote. So he says, listen, but the practice is what's the normative thing now. He says, so ideally you do it anyway. We're not going to call it an obligation any longer. It was Midrabana in the first place. And the Geonim already, we're dealing with 8th, 8th century, 9th century, are talking about the fact that this was relinquished. It was relinquished uh, for one reason or another. The rabbis may have seen. The same thing today. Sometimes you find that we're doing something one way that Really, those days. So, so I, I mentioned this together with everything else that I mentioned in terms of practice. Practice is, again, with leadership involved. It's not just the people powering it, but is determined by what we as a congregation, as a nation, have practiced. So yes, you'll find that, as you just mentioned. You'll find, well, if I look all the way back, we quote unquote should have been doing it like this. Now, if there's no sourcing and explanation for why we changed, ah, you gotta go back to that. There's always gonna be an explanation. If there is that explanation, halacha, milashon halicha, is where we've gotten in terms of our national observance, this is a primary example. You don't take it any longer, maybe we should. You could. But in terms of obligation, it's no longer. Was it an obligation in Gemara time? I'm certain that it was. Yes, Mars. Why can't we say that they were, they were discussing this for the rebuilding of the Bethlehem Gash? They probably thought because it might have been imminent. It's, it might have been imminent. It happened once before. All right. Not so long before that. So they say, okay, I'm going to give you the law. When we go back and rebuild the temple. I just want to read to you the words. He says to him, Mahu le'amtuye, what is it to bring it? Le'kohen ha'idna. Ha'idna means now. So you're saying now because the Mikdash is going to be built tonight. Could be. So, Alternatively. Well, I mean, they're living in Babel. Maybe at the time that they were living, they're discussing, they were living free. It's possible that we can go back. And okay. So for you, it's more in theory. In other words, Rashbaz diyuk in our Gemara. Will be relevant. It hasn't been for 500 years, right. so to speak, but okay, it could be. Because Meherai Baneha Mikdash. Again, we don't do. The, 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 the point to be made, however, is uh, Mars saying they felt it then, so they were going above and beyond, as opposed to saying it was obligatory to a certain extent then. Okay. All right, so. But they don't turn, you don't find a Moraim turning one to another and saying, can I bring this to the Mikdash tomorrow? They don't say that. Here he says, can I bring it Haidna now to the Kohen? That's the deal. All right, so. Yes. No, no. It needs to be a matana to the kohen. So then you can't do that. So then, again, you can. The Vyosef says you can, but otherwise you wouldn't be able to. All right, says the Gemara onward, de Rava, the host of Rava. At some point, Rava was hosted by another Bar Rav Hanan. So Rava, the son of Rav Hanan, Havale. 
isurayata de hardela. The Gemara will briefly bring us in a little bit of a different direction and then bring us back to something we've been discussing until now. But first and foremost, it goes like this. He had asurayata de hardalta. Hardala uh, is, uh, is mustard seeds. And isurayata, Rashi says, is bundles of stalks of uh, mustard stalks, which means that the seeds are embedded within these stalks, and he has bundles of them. And of course, he wants not the stalk per se, not the chaff, not everything else, but he wants the seeds. Amar le, he asks, Rava Barav Hanan, that's so great, I have a rabbi in my midst. I can ask you a question on the holiday. Amar le, mahu lefaruche umechal minayu beyom tov? He says, can I uh, crush these? Can I um, um, husk these on Yom Tov in order to eat from them? Now, what sort of melacha would we be dealing with? Rashi says we're dealing with potentially a melacha called disha. Disha is crushing. You weren't allowed to. They used crushing as part of uh, the preparation of certain incenses and other matters in the Mishkan. As a result, he now allowed a crush on Shabbat or Yom Tov. The question is in the context of Simhat Yom Tov, why should it be permitted? Are you, uh, is it something you could have done beforehand and as a result prohibited to do now? Uh, but the question as Rashi will explain it to us, as we'll see it developed in the Gemara, is this method, this way of crushing it with your hand is, a, uh, is, is not a regular fashion. We consider that kil'ahar yad. Even if you were to do it with your hand, you would be picking them out. Over here we're talking about husking it and crushing it and kind of letting it fall, not the regular fashion. That already on Shabbat is only asur midrabbanan. It's rabbinically prohibited. So we're dealing with disha midrabbanan, the crushing prohibited from the rabbis. Can that be permitted on the holiday? We're not going to permit doing this on the holiday, lechatehila, unless you're doing a disha kil ahariyad on Yom Tov. How is that there you're doing it as a way of eating the food directly. Over here, you're getting the seeds and then preparing them in some step. respect. It's a step removed. Yeah, yeah. If it's directly before the food, then it's just the, just the shell of it. And says the Gemara, Lahava beyadeh. Rava barav Hanan didn't have it in his hand, meaning he didn't know the answer. He came in front of Rava and asked him this question. Amar le molilin mililot umefarchin kotniot beyom tov. Before the Gemara gets into a question, which we'll address tomorrow, let's just read the words. He says, Molelin mililot umefarchin kotniot. Now the word milila and piricha are the same thing, the mefarshim say. Just one's talking about softer and one's talking about harder uh, chaff that you're dealing with. What are we dealing with? Molelin mililot, again, you're husking, you're crushing in order to bring forth seeds. Or even mefarchin kotniot, when you're dealing with legumes of some sort or another, kotniot, we know from, that, from, from Pesach, you're allowed to as well be mafri. So it means that black and white. His answer, Rava said, it's all permitted. Why is it all permitted? Again, let's just briefly review this. The melacha you would be dealing with is melechet disha, crushing, which you're not allowed to do. However, over here it's being done kilaharyad, you're doing it with your hand and letting it fall out. That's still rabbinically prohibited on Shabbat, but permitted on Yom Tov, Mishum Simhat Yom Tov. So the answer as it stands right now, before the Gemara has a question on it tomorrow, is that with regards to that situation where you have the mustard stalks and you want to crush them or anything else by extension on Yom Tov, it would be permitted, whereas on Shabbat, it would be assumed that Rabbanam will continue with this tomorrow.